0: This is episode 245 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are, are guns and ammo reasonable items to stock for barter in a collapse? Why you should store wheat berries instead of flour? And when it hits the fan, what you have will be all there is. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, I'd like to welcome all the new listeners, but uh, I'd like to welcome and thank all of you who have been with me for a while now. I was uh, didn't think about it here recently until today that on February 19th, that's going to be a year from when Uh, the proper website podcast started so that was our episode number one and uh, so we're coming on that pretty quickly but uh, it's it's hard to imagine that one one full year and so we're up to episode 245 doing this five times uh, five times a week actually and uh, only missed I think uh, one or two days there uh, when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston uh, pretty pretty badly from time to time I get asked Todd, how can we support the Prepper Website Podcast and what you're doing? Uh, I don't have a donation button. I don't have a Patreon or anything like that. Uh, and you know, uh, I, I just I, I'm not at the point yet where I want to accept sponsors. Although I could do that. Uh, I could accept sponsors because of uh, you know the listenership that we have. And uh, again, I'm very grateful for that. But I just haven't done it yet. And so uh, you know, one of the ways that you can support the Prepper Website Podcast is by making your purchase or your amazon purchases making it through our affiliate link and i can't put that on the show notes and because amazon doesn't allow that and for some reason if they see traffic coming uh, from my affiliate that that you know from from show notes and things like that well then they'll know that i'm breaking rules but you can link to Amazon with my affiliate from any of my websites. So if you go to The Prepper Website Podcast, or you go to Prepper Website, or you go to Ad That Matters, any of those websites that have a link to Amazon or say Amazon on it or whatever as an ad, will take you there. And then I get credit for that sale. It doesn't cost you anything uh, extra. The, the affiliate sales or all that kind of stuff is already kind of built into it. Uh, the only thing that it does is, like I said, it uh, it tracks it and then it allows uh, me to get a little percentage of whatever you buy. So it doesn't have to be that you clicked on some kind of survival item or anything like that. Whatever you buy uh, will give us a little bit of a percentage, and it helps to to offset costs and things like that uh you know in in the long run so i do appreciate when you do that and i have heard from y'all from from several of y'all recently saying todd we just want to make sure that we're uh, our purchases are being credited to your account and i just want to let you know that they are and so uh greatly again i greatly appreciate all of that all of your support not only from amazon but also from listening and also from sharing out our episodes and letting people know that we are here greatly greatly appreciate that Hey, I wanted to let you know, if you were interested, you know, one of the things I always talk about is being prepped and aware, not only on your local level, but being prepped and aware on the global scene of what's going on. And sometimes if you're just looking at the mainstream media, you're not going to see a lot of the other things that really pertain to things that are important to us. Uh, For those of us who are self-reliant and in the preparedness uh, community. And so one of the things that I do over on Ed That Matters every week is I uh, put together the Weekly Watchman, and that is a link of uh, YouTube videos of pastors and ministers in the Christian community who do prophecy updates. But a lot of the times, they are grabbing from news sources, and they're grabbing from uh, important events that people are not you're not seeing on the mainstream media. I mean, just quite frankly, you're not seeing on you know Fox News. You're not seeing even on Drudge Report sometimes some of these things. And some of these guys, they're so big. They have such a big following that, and they have people from all over the world that follow them, that when something goes on in their area, they send it to them. And so uh, they, they get a lot of information sent to them. And so when they do their videos every week, you know they get to talk a little bit about that and how that applies, and so definitely they apply it to the Christian community and prophecy and all those kinds of things. But it also allows you to see what is going on in the world, and uh, th- again, like I said, things that you, you you are definitely not hearing in the mainstream media. And so uh, I post that every week over at Ed That Matters. Uh, I usually do that on Monday or Tuesday. I just wanted to let you know that it is posted on Ed That Matters right now. I will link to it in the show notes, or you could just go over to edthatmatters.com, and it's uh, the weekly watchman and current events for February 5th, 2018. Hey, I want to let you know about something that's coming up. Uh, Actually, something that was launched this month. Um, It's called the Preparedness Experience, and it is being run by four guys in the preparedness community. So Kevin uh, Reader over at wildsafety.com, Dale Goodwin, you, you hear me talk about him all the time and his uh, podcast and website over at survivalistprepper.net. Ryan Mitchell over at thetinylife.com and then Brian Duff uh, over at his website mindforsurvival.com and also podcast. And they, they came together and they are doing this website that is going to offer just a lot of different things for the preparedness community. So, uh, like live video and chat rooms, top preparedness, uh, professionals coming, uh, you know, providing access to, to top, uh, preparedness professionals. I try to say that a bunch of times. Uh, learning, uh, you know, having all kinds of education out there for people, maybe, maybe conferences. But anyway, so they launched it in February. And one of the things is they're going to try to do a, a, a major topic, have a big theme every, every month. And so as they launched for, this, uh, for the month of February, their theme is general preparedness. And they asked me to be their VIP. And uh, so I'm very honored to uh, be their VIP. And basically what that means is there's a page that tells a little bit about me. Uh, There's a video. I actually created a video for Prepper website. But this one um, specifically that they have up there is basically a tour of Prepper website. So if you've if you've never seen a tour of prepper website and some of the things, you might be missing some features. So that link is there uh, and you can, or that video is there so you can watch that. And then there's a bio. And I kind of updated my bio. So when they asked for that, I kind of sent that out over to them. And uh, you can go check that out. I'm going to link to it in the show notes and you can go check out uh, the VIP page. But then also you can bounce around uh, that. Uh, that website. And so I believe that we are going to, so the, the big, you know, kind of like uh, into the month is when they have uh, the, the survival, their VIP, their survival expert or preparedness uh, professional, uh, when they have them at the end of the month. So they do a webinar where they're going to be on live. And so I, that's going to be February uh, the 25th. It's a Sunday, Sunday the 25th. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to doing that, being on. I don't know if I'm going to have all four guys on and asking, asking me questions and going, uh, from there. But I'm looking forward to it and very excited about, uh, you know, being able to, uh, to be a part of that and being a part of their, their first, uh, month in, in general preparedness. So again, go check out their website, see if it's something that's interesting to you. And I'll be giving you a little bit more heads up as we get closer to, uh, the February 25th and give you some specific times and things like that. So uh, again, that's thepreparednessexperience.com. And uh, like I said, I will give you more uh, information and heads up as we get closer to the date. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our articles. I have three of them again for you, but they're smaller articles, but uh, some good information. Our first article comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. And the title is, Are Guns and Ammo Reasonable Items to Stock?, for barter in a collapse. So let's go ahead and read this one. There are very few topics that can spur a debate like are guns and or ammo good items to stock for barter in a social economic collapse. Generally there are two sides of the argument. You would be crazy to trade somebody a weapon or ammunition that he she might then turn around and kill you with. Or guns and ammo would be both a very high value in a collapse and would be far more guaranteed to retain wealth than any other form of durable property. So, which of these points do I ascribe to? Read on. When most people think about transitional wealth, that is something that is valuable now and will in all likelihood valuable in the future, their thoughts first go to precious metals. Our own paranoid prepper did this excellent article on prepping in gold, and I personally agree with this takeaway on it. So, let's consider guns and ammo will they be very likely to be worth as much in the future, if not more than they are today, if properly cared for and stored? Yes, I also have evidence to support my thoughts on this as well. Since I am a gun nut, a lot of my durable, tangible wealth is in ammunition, magazines, and guns. I also bought some hex head Mawsons in very good surplus condition for $79 each a few years ago. Current sale price, $300 and up. Russian Mawson sniper rifles all actual snipers are not converted. I paid 295. Today 900 if you can't find one that's actually an original. If trouble hits I have a hard time believing that my guns will do anything but go up in value of whatever is being traded. The problem is of course if things start to break down do I really want to barter off items that can be used to kill me. Let's look at this. First This is a very, very low probability event. We are much more likely to have limited unrest and rioting, not an every-person-for-themselves Mad Max situation. What's more, much more likely to happen is that we have a severe recession and or actual depression like the 1930s without total societal collapse. This helps me define my answer much more easily. If it comes down to it and I need to start selling or trading assets off to get by in a recession depression without rioting in the streets, you bet I will barter my inventory. That's what it's for. If there are huge jumps in relative value, uh, that is guns and ammo become higher dollar items relative to food and other necessities, absolutely. If the worst case happens and it goes all Mad Max, I would only barter with people who I personally know and trust I know a lot of people, but I don't trust many in that situation. Strangers? Absolutely not, unless it was in a controlled situation. That is a barter fair in the middle of my town. Okay, so very, like I said, very small, very short article here. I don't know why I keep saying small, but very short article here uh, to talk about that. And uh, I, I have said this as well that any firearm that you buy now uh if it if it's a decent one not some you know piece of junk or whatever but if it's a decent firearm it's only going to go up in value uh you know further on down the road uh right now we're not we haven't heard anything about a gun grab in a long long time even with all the stuff that happened with uh Las Vegas they really were going after the the bump stocks and different things like that but uh you know we we haven't really heard about that uh, because that all causes panic and then prices go up. But just with the, the way the economy is going and just with the way prices are going, anything that you purchase now is going to be worth more later on down the road if it is a quality firearm. Uh, I don't necessarily agree uh, with the fact that if we have a depression like the 1930s, that you know, it's going to be a little bit more uh, civilized than a societal collapse. I don't believe it's going to be a complete societal collapse like Mad Max, but I don't think it's going to be as cordial or people are going to be as cordial as uh, they were back in the 30s. I believe with the way that people have, the way that this current society lives right now with the things that we've seen on TV like Ferguson and other places going on. I don't believe that people are just going to say, okay, we're going to stand in line quietly and and wait for government assistance, or we're going to do whatever we need to do to feed our families. I I think they're going to go out, and there's going to be protests. I think there's going to be uh, riots. I think there's going to be people, uh, you know, crime is going to go up. And so I'm not saying complete Mad Max, but I think that if it really got bad, like we were like a 1930s depression type thing. I I think we would see a lot more chaos than what they saw in the 1930s. Uh, And so that will be pockets. You'll see pockets of that. That's just my opinion, you know, and and the way that I see it. I just, you know, the way that people are so used to now rioting and getting loud and getting crazy and demanding and, uh, you know, just uh, going for it for, you know, whatever they want, being very, very selfish. I think uh, we're going to see a lot of that. And I think the herd mentality in some of our big cities and stuff like that will will take over. So I don't know. Uh, you know, will it be like Mad Max? Again, will it be Mad Max? Will it be, uh, you know, to, oh my gosh, you know, you can't venture out the house? I don't think so, but I don't think it's going to be as cordial and people are going to be as uh, controlled as it was in the 1930s. But good article here. And, uh, you know, if you are in the market for firearms and that is something that you have been thinking about, everybody should have some firearms. Right? You know, there's some that you should just have uh before you go off and thinking about, you know, hey, I can barter this or whatever. Uh, so you, you know, you need to be looking at that and, and looking at your situation and see what is best for your situation. Uh, there's plenty of great articles and great advice out there for you if you are uh you know you're in the market for a firearm, but definitely, you know, don't hesitate. I think the more you hesitate or the longer you hesitate, the more they're gonna go up in price. So that's over at beans bullets bandages and youcom and the title was our guns and ammo reasonable items to stock for barter in a collapse our next article comes to us from homestead survival sitecom and the title is why you should store wheat berries instead of flour now I haven't I haven't seen it's a, <laughs> I know I say this quite often. I haven't seen an article on wheat berries in a long, long time. I haven't heard people talk about wheat berries in a long, long time. Uh, And so if you've ever read, I I know, you know, I talked about uh, Patriots by James Wesley Rawls uh, earlier, maybe earlier in the month, maybe uh, late January uh, when I was talking about uh, the college prep. So I guess it was last last, uh, last Friday, uh, when I was talking about the college, uh, preparedness for bugging out article, uh, because there was a young person who was, uh, you know, in college and he, you know, he had to bug out. But anyway, uh, that article talked about, or not article, that book talked about wheat berries, uh, you know, all the time. I mean, the, who, the characters, you know, the main character stored tons of wheat berries and they had them there. And so uh, this article is talking about it. And so I think it's, it's, uh, you know, it's valuable. It's something that you need to consider. And so uh, let's go ahead and read this one. There's a debate among homesteaders about which form you should store your wheat in, whole berries or ground flour. One camp touts that many uses of raw berries, while the other side praises the immediate use of the prepared flour. So which is better? There is no real right answer. As with so many other things in life, it comes down to your personal preference and factors such as cost, storage, and versatility. However, in this article, you'll see that there are more advantages to storing wheat berries. The cost. When it comes to cost comparison, the wheat berries are far more economical than buying ground flour. It is a small amount of work to grind the flour yourself when you combine this with how long the berries will last. It is easy to justify the larger storage needs for the whole wheat. One of the largest costs associated with using whole wheat berries is a grain grinder. There are many styles and price ranges on the market. You want to choose a well-built grinder designed specifically for grains. Cheaper versions or methods may seem like a bargain, but if you have to replace them more than once or add extra processing steps, you won't have saved anything. Storage. Wheat berries can be stored for decades while flour has a limited shelf life in comparison. The flour loses nutrients and shelf life as soon as the wheat is cracked open and exposed to air. The oil in the cracked wheat kernel interacts with the oxygen which can cause the flour to become rancid fairly quickly within months. Researchers celebrated when wheat berries found in Egyptian pyramids sprouted after 2,000 years, The key to the amazing longevity is the storage. Constant, cooler temperatures along with airtight containers. Each of the modern systems below have both good and bad things going for it. You might choose based on things such as cost, security, and portability. No matter which method you pick, the wheat should be in a cool location away from direct sunlight. Mylar bags. These are efficient, lightweight, and portable. Their downfall is the high cost and susceptibility to rodents. Double bags. Many grains come in their own double bags, often made of cloth. While this method has been used for centuries, it does not keep the bugs out of your grain. Glass jars. Smaller amounts of wheat berries can be stored in glass jars. These are best when it is being used on a regular basis. Metal cans. Tin cans are still a popular way of storing grains for some areas. They have few issues though as the cans will rust in humid climates. They need an opener and the grain can take on a tinny smell. It will dissipate after the grain is in the open air for a while. Barrels. Large barrels are often used for grain storage in bigger bulk quantities. While usually rodent-proof, the largest issue is portability. If you have to leave in a hurry, your barrels aren't going with you. 5-Gallon Buckets. Food-grade 5-Gallon Buckets can be found for free at many bakeries and grocers. They stack well and are easily moved from one place to another. The only real issue with these buckets are that they can be hard to open and rodents can't chew through them. Oxygen absorbers. These are exactly what they seem like. They absorb air and moisture. Added to any of the above methods, they help retain freshness and viability. It is probably a waste of money in the double bag method as it isn't airtight. So uh, probably the best most of the time when you talk about real food storage where uh, you're not buying like number 10 cans or you're not buying dehydrated food and stuff like that, uh, you know, off the Internet from uh, from sellers, you know, using the five gallon buckets with mylar bags and O2 uh, absorbers, the oxygen absorbers. That is usually a a great system to have and to, to put that in place. All right. Continuing on. Versatility. While the ground flour allows you to create dishes right away, the whole wheat berries can be used in other ways. There are versatile foodstuffs that can be boiled and eaten like oatmeal. You can pop them like popcorn, use them instead of rice, and utilize them as a filler in a meatloaf and other dishes. Nutritionally speaking, the berries are a better choice per serving as they retain their value. Just one-fourth cup of uncooked wheat berries provides healthy doses of fiber, iron, and potassium. The serving contains about 150 calories and over 30 grams of carbohydrates, both necessary for keeping those energy levels up. Fresh wheat sprouts are an excellent source of iron, several vitamins A, C, and D, and minerals such as calcium. Because the grain is still whole, it can also be planted to provide more produce. For you and your livestock, 1 pound of wheat berries can turn into about 7 pounds of fodder for your animals. It is a simple and inexpensive way to ensure you'll have plenty of food for everyone and everything. Hopefully this article has helped clear up some of the questions you might have had regarding the benefits of storing wheat berries instead of ground flour. We would love to hear any of your experience with or thoughts on the subject. So there is one comment about the price and the price isn't cheaper than... Uh, ground flour right you can go and you can buy flour very you know cheaply at the store five pound bag you know very cheaply wheat berries are going to be a lot more expensive but the uh, where this article is coming from is the overall storage of it you know ground flour is only going to last a certain amount of time wheat berries will last for like like the article said decades and even in that one situation where they were able to sprout wheat berries that were in the pyramids for 2000 years. So I mean that's kind of crazy there, right? So when you take the cost for the long term into into consideration, then it, you know then it becomes a little bit more economical um, because you're not having to rotate out that flour all the time. You do need a grinder. And so, uh, you know, there are different grinders out there. There's electrical grinders. And then there's grinders that are, uh, you know, that you use your hand. And, uh, you know, you're going to get a, a nice little workout when you do those. Um, but, you know, if there was ever a, a time where we didn't have electricity, those, those old-fashioned grinders will come into uh, play big time. One of the better grinders that's out there is the Wonder Mill. And so, again, you can buy uh, the hand uh, the the hand grinder and you can also buy uh, the electric grinder you can buy the hand grinder that has an attachment that you can use uh, you know electrically with uh, with a drill a cordless drill or electric drill if you wanted to do that and that way it would save your arms and uh, all that workout that you'll get. So, uh, you know, one of the things that you might be able to do, of course, you know, uh, this article or the comment, there's one comment in the article, and they said that for a 25-pound uh, bag was $16 uh, from Augustine Farms, and that was online. But uh, one of the things that you could do, I think, if you have an LDS cannery, regardless of how you feel about, uh, you know, various religious uh affiliations and all that kind of stuff they do allow anyone to go into an lds cannery and purchase items and i do believe that they sell wheat berries there and so if you wanted to get them uh there you can you can price them and see what it would cost to uh to go there uh instead of just buying them online But, uh, you know, that's, you know, buying online might be one of the ways that you want to go if you can find them on sale at some point. I just haven't heard a lot about wheat berries in a long, long time. Uh, And so I thought it was very interesting to see this article and, uh, you know, put, you know, for those of you that are new out there who maybe you've never even heard about wheat berries or uh, considered it, then, you know, you have some options here and maybe something where you can go and and check out and, and look it up. Uh, you know, so there's a there's a lot of wheat berries and different types out there. Just just scrolling down on this article, uh, the ad that goes to Amazon has a bunch of different wheat berry uh, brands at all different prices there. So uh, yeah, yeah, I bet you can find it, you know, cheaper possibly. So anyway, that's uh, another consideration for food storage uh, for you. All right, so again, that's over at homesteadsurvivalsite.com. Our last article comes to us from ModernSurvivalBlog.com, and the article is, When it hits the fan, what you have will be all there is. And so in this article, they're talking about, or Ken is talking about, specifically level three uh, uh, situation, and uh, he touches a little bit on a level four and uh, he'll explain that here and then also links back to an article if you're wanting to get a little bit more understanding of what he means by level one and two and three and four so anyway uh, let's go ahead and get into this article here again the title is when it hits the fan what you have will be all there is for those of you who are doing preparedness levels three and four here's something to think about Since the aforementioned levels of preparedness hypothesize SHTF to the extent of being prepared for a year or longer, a likely statement may be as follows. When the proverbial poop hits the fan, what you have will be all there is. At least, that's how I suggest to look at it. Quote, if you're reaching into preps due to a level 3 event, there has been some serious SHTF that has occurred. This will be nothing like level 1 or 2. Assuming this level 3 event is not a singular person or personal event, but an all-encompassing collapse, it will be downright dangerous. The reality in this scenario is that many, many people may lose their lives. Reaching a level of preparedness to survive many months a year implies the notion of a very, very serious disaster. Although a disastrous event of this magnitude may seem much less likely to occur, is it really unlikely? Level four is the ultimate in preparedness. To transition from being supplied and secure for one year to actually being relatively and truly self-sustaining is huge and very difficult. To prepare at this level implies that you're either striving for a total off-grid self-sustaining sufficiency because you just want to and or you are preparing for a colossal far and wide reaching disaster. And that was quoted from his article Modern Survival Blog, Prepping and Preparedness 1 through 4. So if you're interested in looking at that a little bit further, you can, it's, it's linked here. So this is why it's a good thought to process. What you have will be all there is. Granted, there may be opportunity to acquire, trade, share, barter, or take when it's appropriate. However, you sure better not count on it. It can be and is exceedingly challenging to truly be prepared At a high level for a very long duration of time. To depend solely on your preps and skills for survival during such a long time and to be successful requires tremendous forethought, preparation, skills, and a portion of plain old luck. Living under SHTF of this magnitude will mean there will be no government assistance. They simply cannot and will not be able to provide at anywhere close to this magnitude. In fact, under this hypothetical, there may be no effective government at all. Things will become very local, tribal. Economic collapse will have destroyed the system. All else dependent upon it will have crumbled too. That means pretty much everything. The trucks will have stopped rolling like they are today. If you would like to know what that means, read my article titled, When the Trucks Stop, It's Over. Suffice it to say, trucks carry nearly all goods that we depend upon for our survival. Products will not be pouring into our seaports from overseas like they are today, if at all. How much do we depend on overseas product? Lots, unfortunately. Social collapse will have torn apart the fabric of civility. Cities will have suffered enormous turmoil and death. A similar situation will have ripped apart most all densely populated regions while desperate people do what they do. Many will not survive it. Even many of those who are prepared will not make it there. Of course, all stores of all kinds will have long ago been stripped clean of their useful inventory. More specifically, food supplies long gone. I could go on, but you get the picture. When the SHTF is at level 3 or above, what you have will be all there is, at least for a time, an unknown amount of time. Since we're talking about the hypothetical, we do not preemptively know the ultimate outcome. Maybe crisis resolutions will come, or maybe it will come later. Maybe it won't come at all, but morph into a new and permanent way of life. Food for thought. Alright, so because Modern Survival Blog has a big community over there, Uh, there's 149 comments over here so a lot of information and some of these comments i mean they're they're pretty long they're not like you know one or two word type comments people are uh you know there's discussions going on so somebody will say something and then there's a thread going on that you can follow uh below that so uh this might be if you're interested in like you know complete collapse type stuff this might be an article where you want to go visit and uh, read some of the comments and, and, you know, maybe even get in on it and uh, see where, where people uh, where, see where you're at, you know, because, uh, you know, that's it's one of those where we talk about, you know, would it really, really happen? I don't know. But uh, I know a lot of people are interested in wanting to uh, mitigate as much as they can if they ever got to that situation. So there's definitely always things to learn. And whatever you learn and you can put in place for a level three or a four definitely is going to help out because you're going to be doing those things anyway. In a level one and two, you're going to be prepared, you know, all the way through. And so, uh, you know, it will help the, the preparedness aspect of that. So go check this article out over at modernsurvivalblog.com. And uh, like I said, check out the comments as well and the links. There's, a you know, the links to these articles. I think, might be valuable for you as well okay everyone that's it for episode 245 thanks so much for hanging out with me today hey don't forget we make it very easy for you to share out the prepper website podcast episodes and so if you go to, to the prepper website we make it very easy to share out on facebook and twitter or any other social media or just we do appreciate it when you share it even by word of mouth and people come to, uh, come to us from Google because they Google it. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll link to our articles there. So I uh, greatly appreciate when you do that. And don't forget that I love to connect with listeners out there on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.